This is Tito Santana, and you are listening to the Iconic Podcast. Arriba! Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast coming to you live from Delavan, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he's wrestling legend, former Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, former Tag Team Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Tito Santana. Tito, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Arriba. Yes. <laughs> Arriba, man. Um, before we even start talking, um, how has quarantine life been like for you in 2020, man, and how you've been adjusting? Well, it, it, it's been kind of tough because I'm a school teacher, and, and uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we, we, we haven't been to an inside restaurant probably in a year, you know, since probably just a little over a year. You know, we're, we've been very careful with, with where our masks. I just got done uh, having my two shots. My wife doesn't have her shots yet, so uh, we're still being careful. And, and uh, the people we associate with uh, is very limited, you know. And, and it's pretty stressful in school too, you know, t- teaching uh, some students in the classroom and some some students uh, virtual. It's the uh, it's tough, and a lot of the students are, are, are having a hard time with it. I know. So you know, you you have your shots because you're an essential worker, right? Teachers are essential, so you have like priority to get the shots right away. Uh, well, no, we, we didn't have uh, no, we didn't have any any priorities, but uh, our principal uh, alerted us uh, where, where we could uh, register, and, and we we registered right away. A few of us, and we got in. Oh, that's not, a- not not every teacher has gotten it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, do you have any side effects, or you feel okay? My second shot, I I uh, I uh, was a little uh, cold, and then uh, tired, and then a little bit of a headache, and and then I uh, woke up sweating twice in the middle of the night, and woke up in the morning, and I was fine. Oh wow! So everything seems to be okay now. Thank God. Yeah, you see, um, I'm originally from New York, Spanish Harlem, and I know you're in Jersey. Um, have you, um, like, I know you you're originally from Texas. And how's how's I know you've been Jersey for a long time now. How's been how's Jersey treating you? New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I've been here for thirty four years, so you know it, it's my yeah, it's your home. It's my home yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, uh, I get treated pretty good here. You know, I, I'm the only celebrity. I live in a small town, so you know people know who I am. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of nice, small town. You know, safe. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, what's the best thing about wrestling now compared to the heyday of the '80s and '90s? What's the worst? Well, uh, the wrestling today, to be honest with you, I uh, don't watch. Uh, it, it's it's a completely different uh, business. Mm-hmm. You know, we were professional wrestling. We were, we were wrestlers first, and and now it's uh, an entertainment. It's a, it's a show. It's a, it's totally script. And I don't know that, it, that I could have handled it uh, back then. Uh, you know, like we we had lived our interviews. We just you know 
shoot interviews, and, and now they, they tell you what to say. And uh, you, you know, now you're you almost have, have to be an actor. That's why a lot of the wrestlers are are, are doing pretty good in Hollywood, you know, because uh, they they're getting pretty good training with the WWF. You know, the business is still doing fantastic. You know, and, and, and the wrestling fans uh, they still really enjoy it. But uh, for me, it's a different game, and I try to watch it. And you know, they just don't have the the knowledge that, that we had. They don't they don't have the, the ring psychology. Uh, psychology doesn't really matter anymore. They just go in there and beat the heck out of each other for no rhyme or reason. And, uh, we used to tell a story in every match, uh, and, and they don't do that anymore. We used to allow the the, the, the fans to control the tempo of the match, uh, but in reality, you know, we, we were so good at the psychology that that we were the ones that were controlling the fans, you know, by by the movements that we had in the ring. Yeah, um, you wrestle all over the world. What was your favorite place to work? My favorite place was actually the, my my favorite city that I used to love to go to because the weather was always nice. Uh, was San Diego. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because it, it it wasn't too it wasn't too cold. It wasn't like too hot. It was like that spring type of weather, or it was always perfect. You know, yeah. it was always like uh, like in the in the middle seventies to you know low eighties, and you know the weather. It, it was always nice, you know. Very seldom was I there when it, when it was raining out of out of control. And, uh, it, I just had some good experiences with the weather, mm. and, and and the fans were fantastic too. Awesome. Um, you you wrestled pretty much your whole career as a good guy. Was there ever a time where you wanted to be a heel? Oh, I don't know if you remember when uh, Rick Martel and I split up. Yeah. I, uh, I I asked Vince if I, I could be a heel and. You know, uh, unknown to me, they, they it was already all set up. Yeah. Where Rick, Rick was going to go away and Rick was going to come back as, as a heel. And the model had already been rehearsed. And, you know, Rick came back uh, prepared, you know, to be a model. And, you know, he, he had it all all lined up. And, you know, it it, uh, it didn't work out to me to, to, to have a chance to be a heel. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have been a heel to see, you know, uh, uh, every heel that I saw who turned uh, was pretty successful, you know, for maybe face to a heel. And I figured that I had a, as, as good a knowledge or I was as good a worker as, as any, any of those guys or better. And I used to say, well, if they, they could do it, I know that I can do it. And it was a heel that, that, that led the match, that called the match. Uh, and and I understood how to how to call a match. Even being a babyface, I I knew what what it took, and you know, it just uh, I just never had the experience. Yeah. At that time, were there? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. At that time, besides yourself, you know, there was Pedro Morales. There was you know yourself. Was there other Latinos at that in that era? I'm trying to remember. Like, was there? Well, there, there there were Latinos. I mean, uh, uh, Chavo Guerrero. Uh, had been in and out of the WWF for, for a while. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he stayed here for a while. Uh, uh, we, he had a couple of brothers, and then Eddie, I think, was one of the youngest ones. Yeah. Who ended up doing very well. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, 
Eddie Guerrero. It was the first time that I had seen him in years. And uh, he came and thanked me for opening the doors for uh, the Hispanics. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, I do believe that I was uh, I, I was a big part of uh, Hispanics, you know, getting a break in, in the WWE, you know, and a lot of them did well. Yeah, I know that was a thing now, like, you know, like, back then, you can count how many Latinos are wrestling. Now, you have a few of them. There's a lot of them, like, you know, Ray Phoenix, you got Pentagon, Ray Mysterio. Like, do you think it's improved now, or you think this this should still be more Latinos in American television? Well, I, I think there should be more, because, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Latinos are such great workers. Yeah. You know, Ray Mysterio, I mean, Ray Mysterio is maybe, maybe 5'5". Five, five. Mm-hmm. Real small guy. Uh, he built up his body, you know, really, really good. And, and you know, as small as he was, uh, he had some matches against the Undertaker that you know people believed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, his work. You know, he, he, the stuff that he used to do in the ring was, you know, I probably still do. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, he's he's, you know. On his own, as far as the moves, you know, being small also helps. You know, some doing some of those maneuvers. Yeah. But uh, he was unbelievable. You know, and probably still is. I, I haven't seen him in a while, but you know, he's a great guy. I know he had an accident in, in the ring mm-hmm. where his opponent uh, passed away. But uh, you know, uh, accidents do happen, and, and uh, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. Have you ever suffered, like, I don't even remember you having, like, any serious injuries. Have you ever had any serious injuries in the ring? Uh, the only one was uh, uh, when, when uh, I did the angle with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and uh, the cartilage was torn on my knee and I, I had knee surgery. Mm. But I was only out for, for a couple of weeks and then I came back. Oh, Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about your days at West Texas State and how the university produced so many great wrestlers like, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Manny Fernandez, Terry Funk? Like, tell me a little bit about West Texas State. Well, West Texas State, uh, you know, we I went to play football there and, and I was playing uh, uh, with, uh, unknown to me, uh, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, came from a wrestling family. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Tully Blanchard was a quarterback. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I knew that uh, Terry Funk was uh, was from there, and, and I had met Terry Funk and Dory Funk, and he used to come to practice and hang around on the sidelines, and, you know, they started talking to me about uh, wrestling, and uh, I, I uh, wasn't interested at the beginning, but, you know, God, you had Dusty Rhodes, Blackjack Mulligan, Manny Fernandez, Tully Blanchard, myself, uh uh, Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, uh, Bobby Tunkum. Wow. I mean, God, and I'm sure I've forgotten a few. Wow. It's, it's so, like, you know, like... um when you think about the wrestling in the 80s, like the 70s to the 80s and like the 90s somewhat, like the wrestlers were, I, th- I think they were so much more popular and like the, I think wrestling was watched more, I believe at that time than it is now, you know, even though people are still watching it now. Um, what do you attribute that to? What do you think people love, clamored for the 80s more than they do for like the wrestlers now? Well, because 
because the, the people believed our work. You know, yeah. we we were we were good workers. You know, we we used to go in there. And, uh, you know, people ask me how much uh, how fake was wrestling, and you know, I would say that wrestling was probably ninety ninety percent real. You know, we used to go in there, and, and people paid a price, and then we gave them the money's worth. We used to beat the, the heck out of each other. <laughs> And yeah. people believed it because it was pretty close to real. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, we we uh, I used to get home and tell my wife uh, I've been to easier street fights than I, when I used to wrestle Break the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> you know, we used to we used to leave it all in the ring. You yeah. know, and and now the wrestlers uh, do unbelievable moves, and, and the, the injuries are more serious. Uh, but they don't. They do them for no rhyme or reason. So it's a different ball game. Yeah, yeah. So true. Um, do you have any? You know, because a lot of people have like funny road stories. Do you have any like ribs or funny road stories that you can tell? It doesn't matter if it's rated rated NC seventeen or whatever. Do you have like any funny road stories? Uh, not really. You know, I, I was uh, pretty serious. You know, uh, I, I I I treated everybody with respect, and everybody respected me. So mm-hmm. I, I I was not uh, usually not part of a part of the ribs. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, on, on the road. You know, uh, thank God that they left me alone. <laughs> Nobody messed with you, did right? <laughs> thank God, no. Uh, um, what was it like? Um, even working with like Andre the Giant, like you know, like you know, we see pictures of him, see how big his hands are. Like when they had the WWE Times Square in New York, you see like you could put your hands with Andre's hands, see how big he is. Like in person, man, how is this guy really like? Well, he, he was enormous, you know. Yeah. He, uh, I, I used to play cards with him whenever I was in the card. You know, I had to play either gin rummy or cribbage. You know, he liked two games. Yeah. Uh, whenever we flew together, he would always uh, bring me uh, and, and have me seat next to him. Uh, he would upgrade me to first class. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, his, his little finger was, uh, I believe his little finger was a, uh, a size 15 and a half. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he was huge, you know. And, you know, being around him, you realize how big he was. I, I wrestled with him as a partner. I wrestled against him, and uh, he, he was scary, scary to work against because you know a little slip and and you'd be gone. But I mean, he was such a good worker that uh, he protected everybody if he liked you. Yeah, <laughs> I know that he didn't like uh, John Studd or Macho Man and a few others, and, and and man, he used to abuse those guys in the ring. Oh, what what makes like I I know you can't speak for him, but what would make Andre not like you like you have you would have to do something really crazy or something for him not to like you uh i, I from what i understand like john stud yeah uh you know uh he got heat with uh, andre because he started going over the top rope andre was the first one and the only one that was going over just stepping over the top rope mm-hmm. and then john start uh start john stud started doing it mm, okay he started calling himself the, the giant stud, and, and uh, you know, the, the, you know, he took it personal, I guess, and you know, it was a little tuck and go with Andre and, and John Stud. Yeah. 
Oh, that's crazy. Have you ever had any beef with anybody in wrestling? Like, you you pretty much got along with everybody, right? Or was there people that you had to work with that you guys didn't get along? No, I, I, I pretty much, you know, I was a good worker. Everybody that worked with me knew that we were going to have a good match. Uh, I, I was old business in the ring, and, I, you know, I went in there to, to make sure that we were going to have a good match. So, you know, I wasn't in there to make anybody look bad, and, and you know, uh, I guess I, I, get, I had all the boys' confidence, and you know, I, I never really had any 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 problems with anybody in the ring. To, you know, again, you know, thank God, because there wasn't serious fights, you know, back in the locker rooms. Yeah. Oh man. Um. And um. When do you remember when you first got your like? I guess your job with WWE. Do you remember? Like, was it like a in like a, how did your interview go? Like, how did you how did you get hired there? Well, I, I was very young in my career. I started wrestling in 1977, mm-hmm. and uh, in 1979, so 77, 78, two and a half years later, I, I was on my way to New York, and, and that was pretty quick, especially when. I, I wasn't a wrestling fan. I didn't know anything about wrestling, so mm-hmm. I had to learn from scratch. You know, I, I had to walk before I uh, crawl, and then walk, and then run. Yeah. Uh, but I became real. Like I said, I became real close friends with Andre the Giant. Whenever Andre the Giant would would uh, be in the territory, he, he'd always ride with me. I I'd, uh, and a couple of times he stayed, and, and I let him stay in my in my bedroom. Uh, and. Uh, I, I just told Andre that I wasn't happy, you know, in Amarillo. Uh, I was only there for two and a half months. Uh, I had no idea that he brought a tape uh, of one of my matches uh, from Amarillo and showed it to Vince McMahon Sr. And before you know it, uh, I find out that, uh, you know, Vince McMahon Sr. wants me to go into New York. Oh, wow. And, and you know, I, I was wrestling as Merced Solis in Amarillo and, they told me to think of a place where I was from and to think of a, 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 a catchy name. And I came up with Santana. And first they called me Tino, T-I-N-O, Tino Santana. <laughs> I, I, I went out and wrestled the first uh, show as, as T-I-N-O and signed a few autographs. And if those people kept it. You know, I'm sure that's worth some money. Uh, but uh, when I came through the door, Vince McMahon Jr. and his father were standing there and when I came through, they said, from now on, you're going to be Tito Santana. Mm. And I said, oh, that, that's okay with me. <laughs> um, I was just happy to be there. Yeah. Do you ever regret, like, in your long career, not using your name Merced Solis? You ever regret that? Like, damn, I wish I would have changed my name earlier the way it is now. Like, if people are using their real names, you ever regret that? Or you're fine with just being Tito Santana? No, because I, I was able to have uh, somewhat of a, uh, of, a, of a normal life. Mm-hmm. you know with my real name and, and Merced you know uh, they wanted a catchy name it, it's pretty hard to get 20,000 people going Merced Merced <laughs> you know <laughs> you know I grew up with that name and a lot of people had a hard time pronouncing yeah uh, well I say but you, if you yeah but you think of <laughs> No, I was going to say, if you think about it now, like all the Latino names that are there, like Merced Solis is not bad at all. It's not like, you know, Gutierrez or nothing like that. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's an easy sounding name. But I guess you're right. At that era, it's like, all right, I'm Tito Santana. I'm Tito Santana. You know? Right. Yeah. 
you know um now like you know um i know you're in the hall of fame um how was that experience like for you well uh when i got inducted into the hall of fame 2004 that was the first big class yeah I, i went in the first class it was the first big class you know with the likes of jyd and I think John Studd went in there, and Bobby Heenan, and uh, I think uh, 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 Harley Race, you know, Don Morocco. There was, there was, uh, I think, ten of us, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I, I never realized how big. Because I left the, the business in, in, in 1993, and I had inducted nine years later in 2004, and I had. Not been going to the to any any of the WWE shows because uh, once I quit, I quit. You know, I I, I didn't go back and try try to get hired again. I you know, I was lucky that I saved my money and I didn't have to call and beg for a job. Yeah. Uh, so when they asked me to, that, you know, to go into the, they wanted me to put it in put me in the Hall of Fame. I never realized how big it had grown. And it was here in New York City when when I got up to limousine. It's sent uh, two limousines to my house. He flew my family from from Texas, and uh, there was eight of us. He get, got us like four or five hotels at the at the Hyatt. And, uh, when I got out, I mean there was thousands of people right outside of the hotel, and you know I felt like a big star. You know when when, when I got got out of the car, it, it was a it was a great experience, and then as the the, the days and months went by, uh, I realized more and more how important uh, being a Hall of Famer was to to the fans. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Um, do you have? Let me ask you these, these random questions. Do you have any action figures of yourself? Like, do you have your El Matador figure, or your um, LJN figures? Do you have your action figures? Uh, yeah, I, I used to have a few, and, and I I have uh, auctioned off a few. I have given away quite a few, uh, but I do have a few left. Not many. I wish I had more. <laughs> to be honest with you, because they're worth a lot of money now. I know you see it on eBay. People are spending like thousands of dollars for like figures that, especially the LJN figures that they don't have no more. Like there's your figure with the white tights, and there's your figure with the blue tights, and like the blue, the blue one is like rare to get. The, the white one is rare to get. The Strike Force tights. So you're 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 up there in toy sales, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I wish I had them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm winding down, Tito. Um, um, in in 2021, the way everything is now, especially like with the whole COVID and like wrestling has changed. Like you know, there's a little bit of people like you know, like AEW is wrestling at like one particular place. WWE is at the Performance Center. Do you think we'll ever get back to normal again? In your opinion? Uh, it, it probably will. You know, because the fans are out there. You know, uh, you do, uh, uh, I do appearances, but I do virtual appearances where friends, you know, call in to, to buy uh, stuff when somebody runs a virtual uh, events. Uh, so I mean, all the fans are still out there and, you know, uh, they're just, I, I know they're just dying to get back and, and you know, uh, I don't know if you ever went to a live event, but, you know, there's no better than, than, than the screaming of a, of a wrestling fan in a wrestling match. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. That that is so true, especially at the garden. The garden, woo, because you know, originally yeah. from New York, going to the garden is just an experience in itself. You know. Yeah. Um, and my final question for you, Tito, is what would the Tito of today tell the Tito of yesterday? What? 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 What would the Tito of today tell the Tito of yesterday? Uh, the Tito of today would be probably. Uh, the Tito of today is, is very grateful of of, uh, of how the Tito of yesterday had to earn his stripes in, in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't given to me; I had to earn it, and you know, it was a, it was a nice trip, and I'm still enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, Tito! Thank you so much for your time. Um, promote your social media. Um, do you, if, if you have any virtual events coming up, promote that, or just promote um. Promote, promote anything you got going on. Well, I, I, I do have some shows around here in, in New York uh, on May 22nd, but I don't have them in front of me, so I can't even tell you. But I I, I, I have Facebook, and, and uh, they always promote them on Facebook. Okay. So uh, I want to thank all the fans for all the years of support, and uh, I hope they enjoyed this interview. Yeah, appreciate it, Tito. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only from Tequila, Mexico, Tito Santana. That's how I remember from Howard Finkel. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank Arriba. you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. <laughs> <laughs>